Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. I mean, it's a results-oriented business. Two of their three games, they've lost two at home and been largely non-competitive in both games. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello to all in Steeler Nation. Welcome to the Saverin on Steelers podcast. We post up twice weekly. Hope you enjoy the content. If you enjoy it, please let your friends know that we're up and talking Steelers um, all the time, all throughout the entire season. The Steelers will take on the New York Jets on Sunday, and knowing again that they will be without linebacker T.J. Watt. Not just this game, but the next game, too, in Buffalo. The earliest he could come back would be in a couple of weeks after the uh, Buffalo game when Tampa Bay comes to Pittsburgh. Uh, That still remains to be seen. But the astounding thing to me, and it just doesn't make much sense, is that they are 0-6 when T.J. Watt doesn't play. And that will be the case for at least the next two games. And certainly they cannot afford to lose the next two games. Maybe one, but not both. The question is why? Well, first of all, no one is questioning the impact that T.J. Watt has. No one is questioning what a great player he is. He's the best at his position currently in the NFL. And I'm considering him a true edge rusher. We're talking about guys who are primarily playing from a two-point stance. Uh, I don't consider Miles Garrett or Aaron Donald or players like that to be in the same category as T.J. Watt. They're different players, different responsibilities. So there are other players with high sack totals, but they're coming from a different place. T.J. Watt clearly is the best at what he does, without doubt. But that having been said, why does his absence affect the other 10 players, whoever they may be on defense, so impactfully? Again, not discounting his greatness or his importance, but I would think that if you were talking about not going to battle with one player, who might affect the outcome, would be your quarterback. I think you could say that about virtually every team in the NFL. Good quarterbacks are hard to find. A very small commodity. So I would understand if a team goes from a really good quarterback to a backup, many of whom are barely qualified to be in the NFL. But that's the way it is for most teams. Not necessarily here now with Kenny Pickett there, But a lot of teams are like that. So I would understand you lose your starting quarterback, you're going to have trouble moving the football. But on defense, 
you may suffer some, certainly in the pass rush, without T.J. Watt's presence. But still, there are a lot of accomplished defensive players on that Steeler defense that should be able to at least, to a degree, minimize the absence of T.J. Watt. I mean, we're talking about Cam Hayward. We're talking about Minka Fitzpatrick. We're talking about Miles Jack. We're talking about a highly paid defense, not that dollars have anything to do with it. You have to perform salaries aside. Now, does this tell us that Watt's importance in the run defense has been undervalued? I think to a degree it has. This guy sets the edge very, very well. I mean, he's known for his pass rush. Everybody understands that. But he's known for his pass rush. But does this tell us his inability to get off the field tell us that without him, they suffer significantly in the run game as well as the pass rush game? It must be. Is it possible that the double team that they give to him generally, on pass plays at least, is now being utilized on a guy like Cam Hayward? Cam Hayward against Cleveland and also against New England was double teamed a lot, limiting his effectiveness in the pass rush for certain, but against the run as well. Does that explain why? Our offense is able to spread out their blocking schemes, not having to worry about T.J. Watt. Does it tell us that his replacement, Malik Reed, is not good enough? I don't think it says that. I think it says he's not T.J. Watt. But it just doesn't make any sense that one player off of what should be a very good defense would make all that much of a difference. Astounding difference. 0-6. And some of the teams they've played have not been great running teams. Now, that is not the case with Cleveland. Cleveland is the best running group in the NFL. Great offensive line. The best tandem of backs. I understand that. I think the Steelers would have had issues even if T.J. Watt had played in that game, meaning stopping the run. And, yes, they spend way too much time on the field. They're last in time of possession in the NFL. And it's been really exaggerated in the wins uh, by New England and by Cleveland. I mean, the offense has got to find a way to help out, too. So there is that portion of it. But to be 0-6 without one defensive player, it's amazing to me. It it just doesn't seem to mesh. I mean, if you lost Minka Fitzpatrick, you would lose a significant portion of your defense. Certainly back in the day when Troy Polamalu roamed the secondaries of the NFL, one could understand offenses being more willing to attack the middle of the field. But how does it explain 
not being able to win one single game, not all against great opponents, when T.J. Watt doesn't play. Now, they better figure out a way beginning Sunday against the New York Jets, who, like the Steelers, are one and two, but are not regarded as a very good team on many different levels. We're going to get a scouting report now with Bob Wachusen. You know his name from ESPN, does a lot of football for them, but he's also the radio play-by-play voice of the New York Jets. And he joins us now to give us a scouting report on those Jets. Bob, is it fair to say that the Jets' season can be distilled into about a minute and a half with that remarkable comeback against Cleveland a couple Sundays ago? Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, I mean, you know, their, their offense at least held them in that game. That was the most promising offensive game that they played, but at the same time, they were 99.9% to lose that game with two minutes to go, and they found a win. Um, so, yeah, there's no question that that might have been, if you looked at the way they played in week one and the way they played in week three, some fool's gold, but they're still one and two. They still have a chance against another below 500 team this week, and they're getting their quarterback back. So that's, I guess, what they're going to lean on. Well, that is the next question, of course. Um, uh, is it certain that Zach Wilson, barring any further issue the rest of this week, that he will be the starter? Yeah, he'll definitely play. Um, I can't imagine he's going to have any type of a setback because I'm imagining if anyone lays a pinky on him in practice, they'll be suspended and fined. <laughs> right? He's just going to go untouched, and I'm sure has this week. Uh, I'm sure today's probably just a walkthrough anyway. So, um, yeah, he's playing Sunday, no doubt. Bob, how has he looked? I realize it's a very small sample size because he got hurt, but just throughout camp and, and throughout the exhibition season. He didn't really play in the exhibition season because that's when he got hurt. Um, in training camp, you know, it was mixed during practices, going against the number ones in defense. Sometimes they'd get the better of him. Sometimes he'd throw a touchdown pass, but – I mean, seven-on-seven and training camp practice or even 11-on-11, but you're not tackling guys. Um, How much can you actually get out of that? But the first preseason game, 
they went three and out. And the second series, I think it was the second play of the second series. And he scrambled and got hurt. That's the last we saw of him. So in terms of could he build off of last year, how has he looked getting ready for this season, all of that, we, we, have, we don't know. We haven't seen him. So now the last couple of weeks, watching him warm up before the games, he looked like he was running around, no restrictions, full mobility, full range of motion, planting and cutting on the bad knee and all of that. So I think he's 100% healthy. But in terms of as a football player and as a quarterback, now like show that he's going to take those steps from year one to year two, I'm as curious to see what he looks like in, in a real game as anyone. Uh, Bob Wachusen is our guest. He's the play-by-play voice of the New York Jets. Uh, Bob, since we don't see the Jets terribly often, uh, I think the listeners would be interested in what kind of weapons do they have surrounding him? Yeah, that is probably um, You know, when Sam Darnold was the quarterback trying to make his way, uh, there were times where it looked like he was out there with the receivers that you would see in game three or game four of the preseason um, in the fourth quarter. I mean, like, the, you know, like they had really no one to help him as a big play threat. Uh, the last couple of years now, they brought in Corey Davis from Tennessee. Uh, they drafted Elijah Moore in the second round from Old Miss last year. They drafted Garrett Wilson with the third, well, with the 10th pick in the first round this year. They drafted Brees Hall as a running back out of Iowa State in the second round this year. They drafted Michael Carter from North Carolina last year. So it's a very young group that Corey Davis is really the only veteran of that group. But it is just passing the eye test a like world's better group of skill position players than they had two or three years ago. So they have some guys that can make some plays. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson has looked every bit the 10th pick in the draft. Like, he looks like he is a, a star-wide receiver in the making. And it's a long time since they had a player, certainly a player that they drafted, that looked like this. Um, so, I mean, if you look at Joe Flacco's numbers, they had a tough time getting in the end zone. But in between the 20s, he hit some balls. They've, they've moved the ball. So, Zach Wilson coming in. You know, he, he's not going to have the, well, I'm kind of out there by myself excuse if he doesn't play well. These guys have made some plays. Uh, now he gets to, he has to get even more out of them and, and play like the second pick in the draft. Well, since you mentioned him, uh, we are familiar with Joe Flacco. Um, I suppose, yep. uh, you know, he, he throws a great deep ball. Um, he still looks like he has it even at the age of 37. Yeah, I mean, look, like Joe Flacco at this point is an ideal backup quarterback. He, he's going to keep you in the game. He's never going to be flustered. He's the same guy all the time. He comes into the huddle, and all of these young guys who normally might be a little wide-eyed in the NFL to begin with, and then they might be sitting there going, oh, boy, we're out here with our backup quarterback. Now, 37 years old, he's got a Super Bowl right So he has that instant credibility with those guys. He gets the team lined up. He gets the team, the ball snapped. He gets into the right play. But, I mean, he is 37 years old. He's been hit a lot. And he's not mobile. And their pass protection has struggled. That, that to me, is the biggest story of this game 
from a Steelers standpoint, even without Watt, the Steelers can rush the passer, and the Jets are down three offensive tackles. You know, Mekhi Becton's gone for the year again. He was their franchise left tackle, and he got hurt in training camp. He's out for the year. They brought Dwayne Brown in as a replacement. He got hurt. He's on short-term IR, and their starting left tackle last week, George Fant, is now on short-term IR as well with a, with a knee injury. So they're starting a rookie at right tackle, uh, a fourth-round draft choice named Max Mitchell, and the Connor McDermott at left tackle, but he'll need some help. So that, to me, that's the difference that Zach Wilson brings that Joe Flacco did. Joe is not a mobile quarterback by anybody's standards in the NFL. He can move a little bit, but Zach, like Zach can spin out. He can go run around and make a play. He can protect himself and extend plays, you know, with his feet at time. Do it all the time because he's going to get hit regularly if he does it. But at least he gives them a chance if the pass protection breaks down. When the pass protection broke down for Flacco, he largely had no chance. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because before I asked you about the offensive uh, skill players, uh, none of that matters if your offensive line isn't doing the job. We certainly have experienced that here in Pittsburgh. Uh, let's flip it over to the defense. Yep. That's Robert uh, Sala's area of expertise when he was with the 49ers. How is the de- and I realize <clears throat> when you've got a suspect offense, your defense pays the price, but how have they looked overall, Bob? You know, it's been hot and cold. The first game of the season against Baltimore, they held Lamar Jackson and Kenyon Drake combined to 2.8 yards per carry. Uh, They held the team in the game as long as you could expect. The offense never produced, and eventually the defense broke. Game two, they struggled. Um, You know, they couldn't get off the field on third down. Last week, same problem. Could not get off the field on third down. They've been okay stopping the run. But the biggest thing that I think has hurt them is their pass rush, which needs to be a strength. Like, they traded into the back of the first round to get Jermaine Johnson. Carl Lawson, who was their big free agent signing last year, and didn't play because he tore his Achilles at camp. He's back this year. Um, So they've got some guys that should be able to get after the quarterback. They're just not quite getting there. It's really frustrating. You know, like if you look at some of the metrics, ESPN has some Russian metrics of focus. And in terms of rookies, Jermaine Johnson's at the top of the rookie class. And Carl Lawson is at the top of, like, all defensive ends. He's in, like, the top five or six for whatever pass, rush, win rate, pressuring the quarterback. Frustrating part for the Jet pass rush with Jermaine Johnson, Carl Lawson, they're highly graded right now. If you look at the, those ESPN metrics, the pro football focus, um, these guys are getting to the quarterback. Like their pass rush win rate is towards the top of the league. Carl Lawson, I think, like top five, top six, and yet he's got a half a sack. So, you know, Trubisky can move. Like he, he can do to them. What Joe Burrow did, what Lamar Jackson obviously did, and obviously these guys are Lamar Jackson, but like even Jacoby Brissett, the, the quarterbacks they've played have had escapability, and they've let them escape. Mm-hmm. So to me, that that's the biggest thing for their defense. Their defense 
continue to win with their pass rush, but winning is getting your hands on the quarterback and getting the quarterback on the ground, not getting two hands on the quarterback, having him spin out and go make a play. And, and that's what they've seen a lot of the past few weeks. All right, and the last thing for you, Bob, um, I mean, not much was expected of this team. Not much was expected in terms of an immediate turnaround. Um, uh, uh, you know, Robert Sala had a massive uh, reconstruction job. Uh, but after the first three games, is there some feeling of optimism, either within the team or from outside, that they're on the right track, that they're getting there? Well, yeah, I mean, they, their talent level has definitely improved. There's no question. They, like the, the weapons they've got on offense are a different level. They are rushing the passer. They've got a good defensive line. Their safeties have struggled. Their corners, I think, are very talented. And they've shown signs as well. But, I mean, it's a results-oriented business. In two of their three games, they've lost two at home and been largely non-competitive in both games. So, like, what they're going to hang their hat on right now is the quarterback back. It's like he's the second pick in the draft. You need to now go be that and and take this team where the second pick in the draft should take the team, which is to have the And, you know, I, I don't think any realistic Jet fan, like you said, is putting a win total on this year or thinking they have to be in the playoffs or it's some type of a failure. But, you know, I think it is realistic to expect that you're going to start to, from an eye test standpoint, see improvement and to score – zero impactful touchdowns at home and start off the season a a two-minute miracle against the Browns, you know, for the better part of two-plus games, kind of starting the the season with a a thud, uh, has been disappointing. But I I do think they believe, with Zach Wilson back, that they have young talent on this team that should improve as the year goes on and be much more competitive. And so we'll see. It starts Sunday. Our thanks to Bob Wischusen, the play-by-play voice of the New York Jets, for that scouting report on New York. The Steelers certainly expect to win. They're favored to win this game. Um, and if you're looking longer term, it's a must-win. Because if you go 1-3, and three, drop to 1-3, and three, and then you're looking hard and fast at a trip to Buffalo, and I still think is the best team in the AFC, then you have uh, a tough game against... Tampa Bay. I don't think the Buccaneers are Super Bowl quality, but they'll present a test. Tom Brady, after all. And then games with Miami and Philadelphia. Miami undefeated until Thursday night. Philadelphia remains undefeated. Um, You have to be 2-2. So this game against the Jets carries a great deal of significance. That's our podcast, Saverin on Sports. Again, if you enjoy the content, please let your friends know. A reminder that I'll be on the air with Charlie Batch after the game, about 20 minutes after the game Sunday, uh, for the Steelers postgame show on the Steelers Radio Network and Steelers Nation Radio. And a reminder that I do a daily show on ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 a.m., or you can get the uh, iHeartMedia app, iHeartRadio app, download it onto your phone. It's free, and you can listen to my daily show noon to 2 each day. That's it for Sabbard on Steelers. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next time. I'm Stan Sabbard. So long, everybody. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? 
Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get five quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in the zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.